0: Uh, if you're a guest with us, we're glad that you're here. We've been going through a series that we're entitled, and we've entitled The Wondrous Cross, and this is our fourth message today in that series. Uh, we talked on Palm Sunday about the cross being the great revealer, reminding us of that which is temporary and that which is eternal, the cross revealing God's sovereign plan of salvation. We've just come through a wild season of of remembering on on Good Friday when fears are stilled as we contemplate the the work of Christ. And then on Easter, Christ is risen, Matthew 28, 6, he is not here, he is risen just as he said. And so as we're thinking about now where we are on this side of Easter and the work that God is continuing to do among us as we contemplate the wondrous cross, today we're going to talk about the access that we have before God, And I want to ask you to think about this a little bit this morning, thinking about the wonderful things that God has done, many of you making commitments to Christ in different ways. We've got some people who are gonna be following the Lord in baptism as a result of this last week and we're, we're excited about that and this phrase that was sort of on my mind as I was preparing for this week, um, I don't know who, what the authorship is, I don't know who said it first so I can't give credit, it's not certainly from me, but it is to be always grateful and never satisfied. Have you heard that phrase before? To be always grateful. And you know, I think sometimes in our walk with Jesus, that applies. We should be always grateful. Literally, that if Jesus never did another thing for you or for me, he would still be the most wonderful giver and the most worthy king. And so we can remain grateful no matter what comes. But then also to say we don't want to be satisfied. Remember that God does not owe us He has given us so much, but celebrate every commitment, celebrate every step of faith, every god sighting. but then also, I think, in the heart of today's message, believing that God has more for us, believing that God has more for his church, believing that God has more in this mission that he has called us to. And so we can come into today's message with a sense of saying, Lord, help us to be ever grateful, but recognize that we are not done. We want to go deeper. We want to understand what he has for us. And in that spirit, uh, the message today is entitled, Access to God, and we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, flip over there. Access to God, if you were to break down this message, you could sort of, uh, you could uh, break it down this way. We wanna look at the example of Christ, the redemption of Christ, and the lordship of Christ. But I wanna talk about this idea of access and all that he has accomplished, all that we have celebrated just in this recent season as we've come through Easter. Now to think, what does that actually mean for us? What What are the implications of the cross, what are the implications of the empty tomb for us? So if you read Merriam-Webster's definition of access, this is what you'll hear, the definition. It is permission, liberty, or ability to enter, approach, or pass to and from a place, or to approach or communicate with a person or a thing. So what does that mean, that you have access To God because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. When you're thinking about that, I'll just give you a couple thoughts that came to my mind when I think about access. I was doing a hospital visit up here at Uh, Nittany Medical Center a few years ago and I was going to a new area that I had never been to before to see somebody in a wing that I hadn't visited and so I got directions and I'm sure the directions were good the person probably knew what they were talking about but my brain didn't remember all the directions and so I'm taking a left and going downstairs and taking a right and da 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 was it the third and the next thing I know I'm in a hallway where every door says like authorized personnel only And I was like, this is probably not where I'm supposed to be. I'm envisioning myself like scrubbing into a surgery. This is not, you know, this is not going to be good. Then I see a doctor walking down the hallway, and he says, can I help you? And I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm supposed to be here. He said, no, you're not, actually. That's why I was asking you what are you doing here. And so he got me where I was supposed to go. But there's something about not being in the place or not having access that you should, being in the wrong place. The other the other thought that came to my mind was I was remembering a mission trip that we took and we were coming back, we flew into Philadelphia and Amy and I were driving a van load of kids back to central Pennsylvania and we're coming across the turnpike and one of the kids that was on the trip was getting sicker as we went. So she, something was going badly, to the point that when we got around Hershey, Amy and I were sort of conversing and I said, I think we need to stop and get this girl medical attention. I mean, it's going to be a long ride from Hershey back to central PA if we, don't, if we don't get her the attention that she needs. And so we called the hospital, and they said, pull over. We told them where we were. They said, pull over. We're going to actually send somebody to escort you back to us. So I said, okay. So we waited. Police officer came up. We explained the situation. He said, yep, I'm here to help you out. And so they, he actually escorted us back to the hospital. But this was the thing that was interesting. So we're on the turnpike, right? So you got to pay. you got to exit, all that stuff. I said to him, am I right in assuming that we're going to drive down to the next exit, you know, which was actually several miles down the road, and then kind of double back to get to the hospital? And he said, you are not right. Follow me. And I said, okay. So he took us on this service road. I mean, I didn't even know these roads existed. We go on these service roads. We go through a gate, and he has access. And all of a sudden, we're at the hospital. It was like, that that was crazy, you know, that they got these kind of like back roads I didn't know about. But when you're following the people who know where to go, they get you the access that you need to get where you need to go. So some of these thoughts swirling in my mind as I think about access to God. I think about Paul's missional message to the people in Athens in Acts 17. You remember this when he's talking about the idols and he says to them as he's explaining what is this unknown God that you're talking about? And he says, From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit, the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this, listen, so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. What's he talking about? He's talking about access to the Father. The work that that Jesus did. It's also very interesting when I read that passage to to think that God has marked out the times and the spaces where he's got you where he has you and and when he has you and for a reason. So that's a different sermon. We'll say that for another day. Paul says to the Ephesian church, he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So I read these passages, I think about what does it mean for us to have access to God because of the wondrous cross? Here's a couple questions as we get ready to read Philippians 2. Maybe think about this as we get started. Prime the pump, if you will. Are we aware of the ongoing work of God among us? That's an important question. Are we living up to the potential of Christ in us, the hope of glory? It's not a guilt-ridden statement. It's a question. It's, It's powerful and it's important. Are we living up to the potential for which Christ has brought us into relationship with him? Are we going through the motions, asleep in the light, as it were? A little homage to Keith Green. Are we hungering for more than our walk with Jesus? Some of I, I suspect that there's probably some of you, you've come through the Easter season and you're doing the church thing, you're here today, you're joining online, but you're asking that question, is there something more, is there deeper water that God's calling me to? These are good questions. Philippians chapter two. We're gonna look at this passage today to help uh, answer some of these questions about what Christ has done at the cross to bring us access to God. So here's what Paul writes to the Philippians. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness Therefore, verse nine, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All God's people said, Amen. May God add blessing to the reading of his word this morning. So in the spirit of access to God, I want to look at first the example of Christ. We're going to look at the redemptive work of Christ. We're going to look at the lordship of Christ. But all of this kind of leading to this, what he has done matters. What he has done has massive implications for your life. If you're not in Christ today, it has massive implications for the invitation for you to follow him. And what does that mean to actually come into a a relationship with him? If you are a Christ follower, it has incredible implications for your life. So let's let's look at the example of Christ. Uh, Again, there's so many places, little trails we could go down in this wonderful uh, passage of scripture. It's very full. But Paul starts it by saying, if you've got encouragement from being united with Christ, comfort from his love, common sharing in the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. You know, I love the pastoral heart. Paul's just saying, look, if you are with us at all in here, here's, here's the one thing I would ask you to make my joy complete, and what is it? He says, be like-minded, have the same love, be one in spirit and one in mind. What you, what you see here in many places in Scripture, and this is a wonderful example, is a unity that is grounded in humility. So that when we get our eyes in the right place and we get our attitude in the right place, this beautiful unity that has come, unity that is fueled by humility. So Paul says this, he actually says, this is kind of audacious, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of, as Christ Jesus. So that the way you respond to one another, the way you talk to one another, the way you engage, the way you agree, the way you disagree, the way that you make it your way through life, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That is a tall order, right? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a big one. Now, how in the world do we do that? If you look at the question from, from verse five, just back up a couple of verses, and this is what he says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. So so we ask the question, we look in the mirror, what does it mean to be Christ-like? That is also a good question to ask. What does it actually mean to be Christ-like? You could probably answer that for lifetimes, but one of the clues that we get here is this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. This is what it means in your relationships with one another to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So we we see this as a major theme in scripture. I I put a couple of my favorites, although I could have given you dozens. I put a few uh, passages here uh, on the screen for you. Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And that little short psalm ends. For there the Lord bestows his blessing even life forevermore. Romans 12, Paul is calling us to consider others better than ourselves. There's a parallel passage to this one in Philippians. Mark chapter 10. uh, We read this last week in our Easter message. Jesus calls us to find greatness by becoming a servant. Like him who did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life As a ransom for many. So that was our passage from last week. John 17, Jesus prays for us that we would be one and one in Him as He and the Father are one. So I remember even as a young Christian reading John 17. It's a powerful prayer, it's coming from Jesus himself. You hear his heart, he prays for his disciples, prays that they would be strong, they would be safeguarded, they'd be unified. And then he says, I wanna pray for all of the people who will come after them as a result of their message. And I re- remember as a young Christian, realized like that's, that's me, like that's you. Like the Savior had you in mind when he prayed, and so what he prayed matters, and it's got some personal implications. He prayed for us that we would be united, that we would be one as he and the Father are one. Unity fueled by humility. So the, the great Puritan preacher, Jonathan Edwards, referred to the interplay in the Trinity as the dance of God. God. It's been spoken about. I've uh, preached on it. There's A lot of people have read or uh, written on that subject, the dance of God, meaning that the, the Father is glorifying the Son, and the Son is doing the work of the Father, and the Spirit is not speaking on his own, but reminding and exalting Jesus among. So you have this dynamic interplay among the Trinity, and it really is sort of a fascinating thing if you dig in and you begin to see Jesus actually saying the words, I am not doing my own work. I'm looking for where the Father is at work. I'm doing that. And and the Holy Spirit, he's not going to speak on his own, but he's going to remind you of the things that I've said. So you've got this dynamic interplay, this dance of God, and then we are invited into this selfless dance of God's agape love where our greatest joy is found in the glory of the other. So that's why, that's why the, the people that are listening to this that are like, I'm not a Christian, I don't, I don't know why. Why are you talking about the glory of God or, or, or giving yourself to the mission of Christ? Like, that doesn't sound like a good thing at all. I mean, it sounds like loss, and yet the person who steps into the dance of God actually finds that there's actually great joy in this. And, and we begin to be relieved from our burden of self-love and self-worship. Now, this is not intuitive. But it's why Paul can write things like, to live is Christ, to die is gain. That's just a little bit earlier, Philippians 1.21. And frankly, this is where your relationships really thrive. Like when we get little glimpses of this and when we, when we get it right, we realize that there's actually such a beauty and such a joy when our relationships, whether you're talking about work or family or friendships, when we get released from the burden of self-worship, we actually get a lot healthier, right? And we learn to appreciate this when we see it in other people. I'll just give you a quick example. You'll see what I'm talking about. Um, several years ago, I was talking to a friend who had gone through a really excruciating sort of church ministry problem where he had borne the the weight and the brunt of some incredible conflict. And I know that he lost sleep and I know that he missed work. I, I mean, it was like he made major sacrifices to essentially step in and shoulder some substantial burdens. So we were talking and I was asking him how he was doing and I was concerned for him because he's, he's shouldering a lot and when you see a friend that's shouldering a lot of things and especially church can be sticky and all that stuff. So he's, he's walking through this and everything and I asked him how he's doing and this is what he said to me. He said, I'm hanging in there. He said, this has been very hard, very difficult. He said, but I think God wanted me to take this hit. And you know, I'm like, nah, 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 <laughs> nah that can't be right. God, God wouldn't want you to have to bear a burden like this. This is, you're the victim right here. He said, No, 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 I, I, think, I think God wanted me to take this hit. And then he said this I think he wanted me to take this hit so that somebody else wouldn't have to. Like, he wasn't complaining, he wasn't whining, he wasn't like dismal or down about it. He was just kind of like making peace with this notion of like, sometimes God asks us to carry a burden so that somebody else doesn't have to. So like, when you encounter a friend like that, and probably each of us knows somebody in your life, you say, wow, I just I see how they, they help carry the burdens of others. That's a very Christ-like way to be. And when you see it in other people, it's, it's humbling, and it's, uh, it's encouraging in all kinds of ways. So unity fueled by humility. Now one other thing I wanna say about this with this example of Christ, you look to the example of Christ, and you may find yourself a little concerned, because if you're honest, you can't just do that, right? I mean, those of us who are self-aware enough, you're like, yeah, that's, I mean, that sounds good, and if I could get that right, it probably would be better, but like, in me, and what you're talking about is in your old nature, you are not naturally inclined to be selfless. In fact, it's quite the opposite. Right, So some of us are self-aware enough to say like, this is actually kind of a problem because the example of Christ is great, I just don't think I can do it, and I would say this is an important access to God reality check. You can't. Like the beauty of the Gospel is that we don't look at the example of Jesus and then just say, I'm just going to do all of that. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, wouldn't the people in your life be a lot more pleasant if that was true? Just be more like Jesus all the time. The beauty of the gospel is actually there is an impartation of the right standing and righteousness and character and life of Christ that is actually imputed to you so that the life and character of Christ begins now to come out of you. Now you're not a passive participant in that transaction. But it is not up to you to be like Jesus. The character and life of Christ being lived out in and through us, it is very different than simply deciding that we would be like him. So Paul gives us this example of Christ and we've just fixed most of the relationships in your life. uh, If you can figure that one out. Allow the Lord to give you access into that reality. The second one, that we see here is the redemption of Christ. I'll touch on this sort of quickly, but Paul goes on to say this about Jesus, that not only was he humble, but who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, or some of your translations would say uh, something to be grasped, but rather he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is the redemption of Christ. So we see the example of Christ, now look at the redemption of Christ. What was Christ accomplishing at the cross? This is a vitally important question that we understand this, because otherwise we would say, well, it's just an inspirational story of somebody who was very sacrificial and he gave himself up, and well, I should try to be more like that or whatever. It's deeper than that. Jesus was accomplishing something at the cross of Christ. The curse of sin and the condemning power of the law are broken at the cross. So we sing there on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied the life of Christ being freely given as a payment for the sins of humanity so that we could stand justified before God. So if you're taking notes, write that word down, justification. That is a legal term by which we are declared right before God. So we're talking about access to God. You can't have access to God when you are legally not declared right before his holiness. The cross actually bridges that gap to say you are declared right before him when you receive uh, his righteousness imputed to you. There's another piece that's happening and that is another word, atonement. If you're taking word uh, notes, write that down, atonement. Atonement is the reconciliation of God and humankind through Jesus Christ, reconciliation. Like is that not the thing that we long for? in all of our places of brokenness. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Like, this, this redemptive act of Christ at the cross, it's so profound and it's so deep and yet it's simple enough that a little child can understand it. We like to talk about the fact that at Easter, you know, the veil was torn from top to bottom in the, in the temple, meaning that the dwelling of God is now with his people. So when we talk about access to God, we must understand the redemption of Christ. We must understand the rescue mission of the cross. I have weird dreams. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. Got a whole lot messed up going on there. A lot of activity. And sometimes they're just my weird dreams, you know. And sometimes they mean stuff. Oftentimes they just mean I, I don't know, need to sleep differently. But I had an odd dream about being rescued from a sinking train. Um, Yeah, it was weird. It's like, it made sense in the dream. It was like, we're gonna, go on the, we're gonna go on this trip and we're all gonna take a river train. That's what we called it on the, in the dream. And I was like, what's a river train? That sounds great. And it was this amazing kind of engineering thing and, and a whole bunch of people that I knew were, were going and a lot of people that I didn't. There's a big crowd of people. We're all getting on this river train and then we, we, we take off on the river train and then there's like, and then it was like, oh, the, the river train is sinking. And well, that's bad. You know, so the dream is very realistic. It was very vivid, you know. So, like, we literally spent the rest, the the time in the dream was, like, was answering two questions. How are we going to get out? Can anybody open the door? Can you open the door? None of us knew how to open the door. So that was the big question. And then if the door got opened, how are we going to actually get all the people out? So this like long, it felt, felt like this really long dream of like planning and talking and da-da and you know, we're, we're in trouble here and we, re- we recognize or whatever, you know. And then the door did open and then we also, okay, well, now we got the plan, now, get the plan in place, get them out, get them out, get them out. So we're rescuing everybody off this plane and, we're, and, 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 and even in the dream, it was weird like we're asking the questions like, you know what, As it, some of us may drown some of us may drown if we, if we hang back, but we're gonna try to get as many people off as we can. So it was this wild thing. So I woke up, and I was like, Lord, what in the world is that all about? He said, understand that you need a rescue. Guess what? Your river train is sinking. <laughs> and you need somebody to open the door. Like, this is why we, we cannot understand the gospel as simply an inspirational story of all oh, look what somebody did. But this this was a rescue of lost people who did not have a hope apart from Christ. Access to God being restored. First Peter writes this the, the letter that Peter writes, 1 First Peter 2 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, this is interesting, he adds this, by his wounds you have been healed. It is as if to say that there is an outpouring at the cross of the life of Christ that restores and redeems and brings forgiveness and brings healing and brings help and all of this pouring from the cross of Christ and redeeming and restoring and rescuing us so that he would die to sins and we might live for righteousness. This is our second access to God reality check. You have a rescuer. You have a healer. You have a helper. Now, I guarantee you, if you've gone to church for some amount of time, you would say, I know that. <laughs> I already knew that. But the point of this message is to say, are we living like that is true? Are we living like that is true? That's the question when you look in the mirror today, tonight, this week, I want to just ask a question, am I living like it is true that I have a rescuer? I have a healer. I have a savior. Let's look at the last point, the, the lordship Of Christ, I promise there will be no weird dreams in this section of the message. The Lordship of Christ, verse nine, therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, if you don't understand the dance of God, That sounds sort of tyrannical. That sounds sort of like, my goodness, every knee needs to bow and pronounce, da 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 But listen, when you come into the dance of God, you realize that's actually a good place for you to be. What does it mean to serve a risen and reigning king? What does it mean to live in the reality of the cross and the empty tomb? You've got a risen and reigning king. Just let it, let it percolate a little bit. Let it marinate a little bit. When I do that, I think I come to this statement. If I'm truly serving a risen and reigning king, it is very possible that my expectations are much, much, much too low. If it is true that I'm serving a risen and reigning king, it is likely and possible that our experiences are much too earthly We said in the beginning of this message that we might be always grateful, but never satisfied. Just hear my heart on this. If Jesus never did another thing for you, never answered another prayer, never changed another circumstance, he would still be the most generous of givers and the most worthy of kings. But perhaps, perhaps he is inviting us to go a little deeper to expect the supernatural, to pray for a greater outpouring of the Spirit. Does that align with your heart? Some of us are bored because we're doing all of this supernatural work of God in an earthly plane and never encountering the manifest presence of the risen Savior. Maybe it resonates with your heart. Let me ask you this question, though, because this is important. Does it resonate with Scripture? Because is that like a Scriptural concept or component? And I'm struck by passages like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where Paul's saying, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with fear and trembling. And then listen to this, verse 4. Especially if you're a teacher or a preacher or you're aspiring to to be a proclaimer of the word of God. Here's what Paul says. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom but on God's power. Like I read that Especially as one who is a speaker of God's word. And I go, am I expecting enough of God? Or are we relying on our best efforts, right? So here's where I'd like us to take this today. All of this beautiful passage in Philippians... Shows us what Christ has done, shows us the example of Christ, shows us the lordship of Christ, and and allows us to kind of wrestle a little bit, okay, if this is true, then we have access to God that we did not have apart from him. So what are we going to do with it? What's he going to do with it? Now, I'll ask the question, in light of what Christ has done for us, we have access to God, so why don't we encounter more of him? And I I suspect that that may be a whole sermon series in and of itself. I mean, it might be that you know there's there's an absence of of faith, because without faith it's impossible to please God. It it might be the presence of sin that's kind of squelching the spirit, that whole idea of not quenching the work of the spirit. that's, That's a piece that plays in. It might be that there are certain times that we would just have to say, you know what? Paul said we see through a glass darkly, and we don't know fully yet. One day we will, even as we are fully known. So we work through all of those kind of questions and we're working through all that, but why don't we encounter more of him? I was talking with Amy just this last week about um, the Living Water Service coming up and she said, I've had this scripture on my mind, i had the scripture on my mind, and, but we hadn't really talked about it. And, um, and I said, well, I, I, really, I really sense that we need to do some prayer for healing among other things, at our living water service. And so tonight, we're, gonna, we're going after it. We're asking the Lord. We're coming with expectation. We're asking him to, to meet needs. And uh, so we were talking, and she goes, well, I had the scripture in my mind, but it really doesn't have anything to do with healing, and so it's probably irrelevant. I said, well, what was it? I mean, it's on your heart. She goes, it was Philippians 2, 1 through 11. I was like, I'm preaching on that that morning. You know what I mean? So that's a confirmation. Because what the work of Christ does, it gives us access to God so that we can actually live like we have access to God. I don't, you know, I'm not gonna try to manipulate. I'm not gonna try to, you know, move things forward. I'm not gonna demand things of him. But if he says, come to me all who are heavy burdened and I'll give you rest, I'm gonna take him up on that because I have access to the Father. When he says, bring your your needs, your physical needs, your emotional needs, spiritual needs, your healing needs to me, and when I read these passages like First Peter 2 by his wounds you have been healed I'm going to take him up on that so we're going to go after it together so tonight at our living water service I just want to invite you to come come with expectation don't come hoping that Jesus might want to do something come with the anticipation that he is able and let's pray together let's ask God to move among us let's bring the needs that you have but I'm not going to let you off that easy because while we're here I want to give you this invite. We're going to wrap up with this. Um, I I want to invite you today to a a sort of place of response, a point of decision. I like that phrase. We talked about that last week. Worship team's going to come up and and lead us, and and while they do, um, I just want to ask you to consider a couple of things. What would your response be? Like if you actually have access to God because of Christ, the finished work of Jesus. I'm certain that there's probably somebody here who would say, I've never actually committed my heart my life to Jesus. I've just never done that. Uh, you may have a whole bunch of reasons why, or whatever, I would suggest to you today, stepping into the dance of God is your first call. You know, that's where you're, you're not keeping Jesus at an arm's distance, but you're saying, I recognize that I am separated from God, I recognize what he has done, I recognize the invitation is personal, and for me, and so I'm gonna bow my knee before him. I confess my sin that keeps me separate from God. I receive his finished work. You do that work with him today. I wanna to ask you to, to step forward in that decision. The second one I wanna give as an invitation is to step forward into a posture of receiving. Uh, I know that there are burdens that you are carrying and you're saying, man, I just gotta be strong, gotta be strong, gotta just keep keep on, whatever. I wanna encourage you to step forward into a posture of receiving today. To say, God, I've got access to you. I'm inviting your help. I'm inviting your work. I've got a healing need. I've got a physical healing need. I've got a a spiritual, emotional need this there, whatever. I'm inviting the, the healing work of God over me today. Uh, the third one, uh, this is, I'm excited about this one. Some of you have a calling for greater intercession, that you would actually be the, the intercessor. They say, you know, I hear, I hear the voice of the Spirit saying, I'm being called forward to greater intercession. And so for all of those potential, maybe it's the first time I'm committing my life to Jesus, or I'm stepping forward and, and receiving from him, or I'm receiving a call for, uh, for intercession, uh, I want to encourage you to literally step forward on this today. We don't do this all the time you don't have to do this all the time the front row chairs are not more holy than the back row chairs but i'm talking about coming to the mercy seat we're going to talk about that tonight what does it mean to actually come in to the presence of god receive help in my time of need that's the that's the thing that we're talking about here so if your heart is today i'm giving my heart to jesus today i'm coming with a need and i'm asking god for help Today, I'm answering a call to be an intercessor. I'm going to call you forward. In fact, I'm going to ask you to stand up right now. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to just get right to it. Just come right. We're not going to wait, because we all do that thing. So I'm going to wait around and see if anybody else comes. See, some of you are your eager. You're already standing up. I said stand up. You're like, boom, let's do this. All right, so everybody, so let's stand up. I'm going to pray for you, and then, uh, and then invite you to come. So, Father, we, we welcome your living presence Yeah, just, Lord, I pray that you would impress on us we are serving a risen king. Help us, God, to embrace that. Help us to act like it. Help us to understand better. But I ask that you would move by your spirit. Thank you. we got some people already coming up and saying, I'm, I'm stepping forward. So let me just call you. If today is your day that you're saying, I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ, uh, come on forward, sit on the mercy seat. We wanna celebrate that with you. Start making your way forward. If today you're saying, I'm coming with a need, I've got, I've got some God-sized needs right now that I'm bringing to the cross, I'm bringing to the mercy seat. Start making your way forward right now. Come on up, come on up. I know there's plenty of you out there. Lord, would just come with our needs. Some of you are, are hearing that call, this access to God, this is important. I'm, I'm lear- I wanna learn to be a prayer warrior. I wanna answer that call to say, God, make me an intercessor. Teach me what it is to pray. You come on up. Find a space, find a space. Altar space, space on the seat. Father, I would just ask that you would meet us. We thank you that you are our risen king. We thank you, this is, a, this is a holy moment that you wanna, wanna do some business with us. So I just ask that you would just stir, just help us, Holy Spirit. I pray that commitments would run deep, we would hear your voice clearly. I do feel called just to pray, Lord, we just cast out any work of the enemy, any doubt, any discouragement, uh, any hindrance that he would cause. We pray freedom and loose the freedom of the Holy Spirit over us, that we would hear your voice well. We would respond in obedience. And Lord, many of us, you know, we just, Lord, we want to step into that dance of God with you today. Thank you that we have access to the Father. Thank you that, that praying to you and coming into your presence is not a weird thing for followers of Christ. Jesus, we love you. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen.